Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. The Pittsburgh All-Stars professional football team lasted just one season in 1902, but the impact that they had on pro football is so very important at the roots of the game and the organizational roots of the game that the roster had some of the top players in the game at the time. We have more on this story coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigSandDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition of going back in some early pro football teams. And we have another great one. We're going to talk about our third and final team in the National Football League, the original National Football League that happened in 1902 for one season. Well, this original pro football organization called the National Football League in 1902, as discussed in earlier posts, was the first attempt at having a league in the professional game. Baseball's Philadelphia Athletics, managed by Connie Mack and the Philadelphia Phillies, joined the Pittsburgh Stars to make up a triumvirate of gritters in the original NFL. But just who were the Pittsburgh Stars? We're going to go into that in detail today. Now, a lot of this is inspired by the great book by our friend Greg Fasseri and his Gridiron Legacy, the missing origin story of the NFL. And, uh, you know, just a, a great book. And we had Greg on last week talking about Homestead. This is the next uh, generation of what Homestead became, as you'll find out here in a second. The, the Pittsburgh All-Stars team, or Pittsburgh Stars, the story starts with the humble beginnings of pro football itself in the surrounding areas of the Steel City. Yes, those early athletic associations and clubs that got so many competitive uh, angles going on and started paying players uh, were the roots of the stars. Now, Allegheny Athletic Club paid Pudge Heffelfinger the first in 1892, and the Latrobe Athletic Club handed John Brailier and some others some cash in 1895, which led to the powerhouse teams of the Duquesne Country and Athletic Club, Homestead Library and Athletic Club, and others to rise to gridiron dominance. Now, we've talked about a lot of those teams here in past uh, episodes, so make sure you go back and check those out in our Football History Early Pro Team Series. Now, as this story goes, when the Philadelphia baseball teams wanted to promote their respective clubs on the gridiron, they knew they needed some Pittsburgh participation for their group of pro football teams to have any credence and to survive, quite frankly. You can't have a world championship when you don't have the best area of pro football at the time involved. So they knew that that they had one man that could uh, be a strong ally in putting together a team from western Pennsylvania, maybe even two. 
the most prominent figure in Pittsburgh professional football at the time was a man named Dave Barry, who managed a few successful clubs in the Steel City area. Barry was a manager of the Latrobe Athletic Association way back in the day, and the first fully professional football roster that played an entire season. Dave also was the fellow that signed and paid Brailler to quarterback the Latrobe team in 1895. Also on Barry's football resume was a, his organization of an all-star team, the first professional attempt at one, mind you, that he put together to challenge the powerful DC and AC team, that Duquesne uh, Country and Athletic Club team of 1898. The athletics owner, Ben Scheib and John Rogers, who was the financier of the Phillies, knew that they could not have a, a better partner in an attempt to organize pro football than Dave Barry, based on his knowledge know-how, connections, and organizational success of professional football at the time. Barry didn't just bring the organizational skill set he had to the group. He also helped build a team to compete in this new league, made up primarily of former two-time champion Homestead players, uh, but there were some others from rosters from other area clubs as well. The latest all-star team assembled by Barry, of which by all appearances he was the owner, was his best compilation of talent yet. But was he truly the owner? Because there was rumors had it at the time that he was the, the only, only in theory, more of a general manager, as allegedly Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team owners Barney Dreyfus and William Chase Temple were the actual financiers of the team. Remember. Over in the two Philadelphia teams, you had Scheib, Athletics of Baseball, and you had Rogers with the Phillies, both their owners. So it was basically a baseball triumvirate that wanted to sort of move into the football realm, see what they could do at that point, in that juncture. But this roster of new Pittsburgh stars was extremely impressive. You know, Burt Kennedy, formerly of the University of Pennsylvania, was the quarterback and the captain of the team. And other star players included Harry Pud McChesney, Jack Lang, a man named Ellis, Herman Kirkhoff, W.P. McNulty, Doc Roller, and Clark Schrantz. Oh, and let's not let's forget that Bob Shiring was also on this team, our friend Greg Fasseri's great-grandfather and the subject of that book we mentioned earlier and we talked about last week. Now, the Stars, they kicked off their season with five decisive victories in a warm-up before playing their National Football League counterparts. On October 11th, they smashed the Pennsylvania Railroad YMCA by the score of 30 to nothing. Five days later, the team rolled the Cottage Athletic Club 17 to nothing. And next was an October 18th blanking of Bucknell University 24 to nil. Their next challenge was four days later as they dispatched the Pittsburgh College 45 to nothing. On October 25th, the Stars outlasted the East End Athletic Club, 18 to nothing. And a week later, on November 1st, they crushed the Cottage Athletic Club a second time. This time, it was 24 to nothing. So that was uh, you know six games. Uh, nobody scored upon them, and uh, they were riding pretty high. Now, as good as the Stars were in those games, the initial version of the NFL was one of truly uh, a vision of parody. Uh, these t three teams were truly equal, and uh, all three teams were relatively evenly matched. And the Stars split with the Phillies by winning in their first game of league play, 18 to nothing, on November 4th in Philadelphia, only to suffer a loss 
back in Pittsburgh for their home and home game, 11 to nothing on November 22nd. In their games against the Athletics, the Pittsburgh club lost 11 to 10 in the team's first meeting on November 8th in Philadelphia. Now they would play a couple more times. We're going to get to that in a second because statistically. The Athletics and the Pittsburgh Stars were the top two teams of this original NFL because you know, the Athletics and the Stars ended up the first game they played or second time they played was a zero to zero tie. So they decided they would play a game uh, to be a champion to determine a champion on November 27th, and uh, that was the scoreless tie game. And it wasn't enough of a resolution. So Wallace and company, Blondie Wallace of the Philadelphia Athletics team, wanted to play the following week again in Pittsburgh to crown a champion. Pittsburgh Stars won this game handily, 11 to nothing, and Commissioner Dave Barry announced that the Stars were the world champs of that league. And there was an excerpt from the Pittsburgh Weekly Gazette on November 30th, 1902, uh, thanks to newspapers.com. And it had this statement. They said, quote, The victory scored yesterday on a muddy field by the Pittsburgh Stars meant a great deal to the team, as by the 11 points scored. Manager David J. Barry now lays claim to the professional championship. In the five games played with the two Philadelphia 11s, Pittsburgh Giants of the Gridiron have scored 39 points to 22 combined for the Quakers. There must have been five games played and two with the Nationals, and three with the Athletics. And each Pittsburgh has broken even on victories and defeats against each of them. However, having scored 21-11 against the Athletics and 18-11 against the Phillies, in every game played, the victory remained on home ground. Unquote. So when they were referring to the Nationals, of course they're referring to the National League and the Phillies, uh, just like they are now. And the American League was the Athletics, just like they are now, only over in Oakland. So, you know, just a, we have an excerpt of that great newspaper article back from 1902 uh, that you can look at. Compliments of uh, newspapers.com. Also, have a great photo from that same magazine posted in there. A picture of it's a team picture has all the the fellows there in their their big. Uh, dark colored sweaters can't tell what color they are of course uh, but uh, it looks very flashy with the big uh, light colored P on the front of them you can definitely tell who they are and uh, you know that they were the champs in probably the world champions of 1902 as nobody else was there to rise up to, to play them now there could be some argument because there was a World Series of Football at Madison Square Garden uh, that December and January, early January of 1902. And the Syracuse team ended up uh, winning that, uh, surprisingly, because Blondie Wallace and uh, the Phillies team combined and went in there, became the New York team, and they got upset by the, uh, by the Syracuse team, who combined with another great team from New York State, the Watertown Red and Black. And we're going to be having an episode on the Watertown Red and Black coming up very soon. We've already had one on the Philadelphia Athletics and we've had one on the Philadelphia Phillies or the Nationals. Uh, you can go back and check those out. And uh, actually the bottom of our post today on the stars takes you, uh, you go to the very bottom. You have a 
exit to go each way to get to those real easy and learn about some great football history because this is really at the roots of it some 20 years before the National Football League was in full swing. So we hope you enjoyed the, this little bit of football history. Hope you join us each and every time that we ha- come out with a new episode couple ways to know that you can subscribe to this at your favorite podcast provider or you can subscribe to our newsletter where it comes out every day 6 30 a.m eastern and you'll know everything is coming out of the pig pen pigskin dispatch jersey dispatch orville mulligan.com yes we are all yesteryear hub sports and uh hope you enjoy that and uh until next time have a great gridiron day Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast as well as Jersey Dispatch on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.